Hello, everyone, and welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. It's a pleasure having you all listening to our podcast. We've been doing this for just over a year now, and we've got amazing reviews from um, all our listeners for the great work that we are doing in the community, if I can take that credit, um, because there's not many podcasts out there that will speak the truth about all things dyslexia. Um, first of all, before we start, my name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia. I'd also like to thank the sponsors of our podcast for this season, which is Equip, European Social Fund and Education Skills Funding Agency. We want to say a very massive thank you to uh, the funding that we've got for them, which gives us uh, the resources to be able to produce these podcasts. Now, today's podcast is titled Dyslexia, Ditch Deceiving. I have an amazing lady with me today. Her name is Gabby Preston. I can't pronounce her surname. I can only do the Preston bit, but she'll do the rest for me when she comes on. Um, and that's due to my dyslexia because I can see a P-Y, a P-H-1. I'm like, oh God, how do you pronounce this? But never mind. Gabby would pronounce that for me. She's the co-founder of a company called Tood Up Raccoons. I love the name of that company. And Gabby is going to talk to us about why recruiters should really kind of ditch the CV or companies should ditch the CV and get to know the person that they're recruiting. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain that to you, but Gabby, who's got the amazing experience of doing this, will explain why she, that she thinks that dyslexic shouldn't really have to produce a CV and should be judged on the CV before they get the work. Now, welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast. Gabby, welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really, really good. I am so, so excited to be here. I like what well, we've known each other for kind of two years now, three years, actually three years. And I have always followed you guys so avidly. And I, I just love everything you guys are standing for and really loudening the voice of dyslexics in a way that's empowering for them to stand up for themselves. Like I am just so excited. And just for everyone out there, before anyone else asks, the surname finishes Fipers. <laughs> And I don't blame you. If someone else had that surname, I'd go, hmm, how do you pronounce that word? I just throw it in there for the jazz fun of it, right? It's just fun. Oh, I see. So it's P-H-Y, but it's actually yep. it's pronounced with a Phi. Right. This is why I was saying, because I probably wouldn't pronounce yep. it as, as it's read. And that's because due to my dyslexia, how I see it exactly. is how it is. And thank you so much, Gabby, for, um, for, for, right. for putting that forward for me. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can know who you are and why you think CVs should be ditched. Okay, so I'll give you a very kind of speedy background on who I am and kind of where my career has taken me and the journey and all that great stuff. So I am a very, very proud dyslexic, right? I have zero shame and zero filter in telling anyone. I tell everyone I meet, I just love it. So my background is I went to school like everyone else. I got my dyslexia got identified when I was young because one of my teachers was like, this isn't right. You're not catching on to things. You're still not reading the big books like everyone else. And I was kept one of those kids that got kept in at lunch breaks and all that kind of rubbish stuff. And you really, really felt stupid. And as I traveled through my education, I kind of became more and more stubborn. And I was like, I'm going to have the career I wanted. And for whatever reason, banking had been ingrained in my mind as the one to go after. So I was very lucky and kind of gave up a lot of my social life and everything else, moved into banking. I worked at JP Morgan for eight years for my sins in some instances, and eventually got to the point where I was like, do you know what? Like, you don't like me for whom I am. You don't embrace my dyslexia. You actually punish me for it. I was like, I've had enough moved into a software company to start selling, which was a lot more me because I got to talk to people all day, which again, really kind of helps me utilize the skills I've got 
rather than kind of hiding behind the written word, which isn't where I'm at. Like I struggle really, I struggle a lot getting information out of my head onto paper. So there's no point having a job that forces me to do that all the time. Then from there, I then during that period, I went off and had my daughter. And when it came back to returning to work, there was various question marks about my ability to handle doing sales and be a mum. To which I went, you're out. And I left the company and joined our family business, which is a recruitment business called Oscar Harrington. So we kind of got that piece of it where I really started digging in in terms of CVs and applicants and looking for people. And then off the back of that, we then launched Tooled Up Raccoons. So we've got two businesses um, that we launched. It's a tech company, our first ever tech company that launched five weeks ago. And that's really starting to help companies find candidates better rather than just kind of sitting there going, please apply for me. It's how we can actually improve the hunt so that people, so companies can actually find candidates quicker. And then I've got a CV writing business that I do to kind of support people who are really struggling to convey their message. So it's a very busy life, um, but that's kind of my journey. And I've seen various things, but I think obviously for this discussion, the problem I have with CVs is really, really simple. For those people who are very articulate when it comes to the written word, it's a fabulous platform for them, right? They can articulate their messages, they can get it across. They're very, very clear on what their mission is. But for a dyslexic, in your head, you know everything you've achieved, right? And actually sometimes some of the dyslexics I've worked with on their CVs actually, actually struggle to get out the positives because we're so used to being kind of drawn down and being like, you're not good enough when you ask them to write a CV and write their jazz hands moments, like I call them, right? The bits that made your kind of, if you weren't here, they wouldn't have happened. You see them really lack confidence when they're, talk, when they're writing it. But as soon as you talk to them, all of a sudden this passion and this energy comes out because they can articulate it. They just can't write it down. So when it comes to actually capturing a dyslexic on a CV, it, it just doesn't sing. And then you end up having recruiters who critique you and judge you on spelling mistakes and errors. They're like, oh, there's an error. That must mean that they couldn't be bothered. Or they see your GCSEs and your A-level results. If you, if you went through education, they'll see that and go, oh, they didn't get very good grades. And they'll be making judgments on you that you have no ability and no mechanism to go, hey, this is who I am. This is the reason behind those grades, but it hasn't limited me or stopped me achieving X, Y, and Z. So that for me is why I'm really anti-CVs and on a big drive to get kind of companies thinking about, is there a smarter way where we can receive applicants from people that we can still handle large volumes, right? Because that's always going to be the challenge for a corporate. So yeah, that's, that's right. kind of it. Excellent. What a fantastic idea, because I'll tell you something, Gabby, you're right. There's a lot of grammatical error on my CVs. I'm going to be honest with you. But if you had to sit in front, if I had to sit in front of someone and it says, if they said to me, look, explain what you've done over the last year, they'll probably think, right, actually, we've, yeah, we've got enough about you, enough picture about you. So I do 100% agree. And um, the, the, um, what I'm thinking right now is how do we get companies to ditch CVs? And I'm going to ask you a question straight away because you recently um, um, recruit someone uh, without seeing the CV. Can you tell us a bit about how you did that? So that one was a really fun one. So I'd literally, it, the CV dance had been bugging me for a while. And I thought, you know what, I need to hire someone to help us do some marketing work. So what I did was I spoke to my network. I spoke to some people I trusted and I respected most importantly. And I said, look, this is the situation. This is the gap in my team because I can't do certain bits and pieces and I need someone to bridge that gap. 
do you know anyone that you would recommend? And they went, yeah, I do. And instantly they were like, cool, do you want to chat? And I was like, okay. And they're like, oh, do you want to see her CV? And I went, no, don't send me her CV at all. I don't care about it. I said, what I want you to do is book an hour, right? I've, we normally, what I would do if I didn't get a CV, I'd ask them a couple of questions and get them either to send me a video or a voice note because some people don't want to do video, right? So you can have a voice note or you can do video. But with this candidate, because he'd recommended her, I was like, just jump straight to an hour call. And we got on a call and I was like, I don't want you to talk me through your CV, but I want you to talk to me. I want us to get to know each other. I want to talk to you about the things you love and things you hate about your job. What things you think you could add to my business? What areas do you think you need help and support and like training on? And we just had a grown up conversation between two people. It was really, really simple. I got a really good gauge for her in, in terms of who she was and kind of the personality fit between us. So we kind of went, let's look at personality fit. Then let, let's look at, do you fill the gap that I have to fill? And can you add value in a way I can't? And by the end of that hour, I was like, yeah, you can. The job's yours. You start on Friday. And that was the yeah. end of it. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it does require the interviewer to understand what they're trying to obtain and what they're yeah. trying to assess mm-hmm. and then for them to sit back and listen but also actually just being open to having a two-way dialogue like allowing that person during that discussion to ask you questions and to probe for more information about the role like I didn't write a jobs description I knew what my gap was and I just had a conversation with someone and if I'd got at the end of that and gone it doesn't work when I would have done it. Absolutely. Because sometimes what you get, Gabby, sometimes what we get, I mean, I used to work in recruitment. um, You sometimes get like a CV from someone and it just looks so great. Everything looks amazing. And then you meet the person, you think, oh, the personality isn't exactly what you expected it to be. So even if that personality didn't match with what you were looking for, then it doesn't really make sense to hire that person, does it? To be honest with you. It it doesn't make any sense at all. And I think there was a comment someone wrote on today about there's lots of blanket statements people put on their CV, like, I have high attention to detail. I enjoy working as a team. It's like, okay, name someone who isn't going to write that on their CV. That doesn't make you, I know nothing about you. You basically look like the next CV I picked up. Mm -hmm. But also some of the challenge I have is lots of, you can pay someone to write your CV for you, okay? It's a fact, you can but the problem I have with that is the fact that a lot of companies, like I know someone who spent £700 on a CV, and I'm not even joking, £700 on one piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And she showed it to me and I went, you didn't write this, did you? And she was like, no, 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 they wrote the entire thing for me. And I was like, so they've written it in a tone that represents them. And it doesn't represent you. So you're yeah. even further away from articulating who you are and it, it makes no sense. It's just, it's such a waste of time and energy. And I understand why companies use it, right? When you have a lot of applicants, there has to be a way of you managing that process. Like if I got a thousand applicants for a role, how do you handle that if you're not going to do a written process? But actually one of the processes they need to implement is the acknowledgement of if a candidate applies with dyslexia or a a disability of any description then if they write it on their cv then that is taken into consideration and actually if you flag up that you have a disability then they go okay cool you can send me a video or a voice note to answer these questions and articulate your story but they allow them to do that and they acknowledge it at point of application rather than going oh the automatic scanning said you didn't fit 
Like that's such a poor excuse and it's unacceptable in this day and age for people, human beings to be dismissed because they didn't hit the right grades because yeah. the machine could not identify the fact that they, there was probably reasons behind that. Right, of course. Right? Yeah. We're human. Absolutely. Gabby, thank you so much. That's so awesome. Do you know what? I could talk to you forever. I know. Really? It's so bad. We shouldn't have time restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I'm thinking to myself, should, all companies should possibly look at it that way, but we've got a long way yet to go. And I think a lot of companies are still looking at, I want to see a CV, I want to see an email address. I know people don't even put their addresses now, do they? They just nope. put an like, email address. They don't put age, they don't put nope. what gender they are, which is great. Because, again, that could be something that someone might decide, oh, actually, I'm not going to take that person because of. But you'd be amazed. Just because you don't write your age and your gender, there is so much underlying tone of bias. So we had a a client before who we used to work with, and we subsequently got rid of them because of this behavior. But they approached us, and they were like, we only want to see X type of gender, Y age. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I will submit you the best candidates, mm. whether they are pink, purple, orange, woman, yeah. man, whatever age, I don't care. But by the fact you're dictating that means that actually there's something fundamentally wrong with the culture in your organization. And I don't want to play with you. And I don't want to submit candidates to you because as a recruiter, part of my responsibility is not just to place candidates, but it's to, not, sorry, not just to help companies, but it's to look after the candidates. And I will never put a candidate in a position where I'm like, I don't think you're going to be treated fairly because you're not the right gender, age, sex, like all this kind of stuff. Okay. So you've got to protect Mm -hmm. them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Gabby. That's really, really awesome. Now, I do, if I must say, I do love a video interview. Um, I've had a videos interview in the past and... um, yeah, it was great, you know, and I think I got the job in, in the end, <laughs> but this is some time ago, and of course I've set up A2I dyslexia, so video interviews could be a possible way forward, and anyway, pandemic, lockdowns, we're not seeing anybody, so if you're recruiting someone, of course, I don't know, some people may ask for the CV, and then obviously they have to see you on camera before they can offer you that job, so thank you for that bit of information, amazing, amazing. I'm going to move on to my next question, how can recruiters make their application processes more friendly for dyslexic and neurodiverse? I think you've kind of touched up on that a little bit. I think, I think to be honest with you, I think it's about it has to come first and foremost from the candidate, right? So it has to be triggered by the confidence for you to stand up and go, I have dyslexia or Mm. I have ADHD or whatever it may be, right? Whatever your challenge is or combination of challenges, right? They don't have to come explicitly as one or the other, but it's about being able to go, do you know what? This is what my challenge is. And then allowing the recruitment company to take the opportunity to go, okay, actually, do you know what? If you've got dyslexia, me getting you to send in a cover letter and a CV isn't necessarily the most appropriate mechanism for assessment. How about I send you this alternative, which Mitch and I were actually talking about, my husband, where you have five questions you have to answer. And you can do them, like I said, on a video or a voice note, but you have to answer those questions. And I use that as the basis to assess your appropriateness for the role that you're applying for. But it has to be, the candidate has to be confident enough to say, this is my name. I have dyslexia, filling in a CV, I can't do it, but I am exceptional at my job. Do you have an alternative for me, an alternative way for me to apply? And then it hands off to the recruitment company to be like, have you thought about how you do this? Right, right. 
And so it has to it has to come together and we have to move forward together. Of course. Of course like it can't yeah. be one and the other or the other. It's we have to go, right, we're on this journey together. We're all human beings. Let's start putting our heads up and going, do you know what? I'm proud of it. I've got it. I can't write. Merry Christmas, right? It is what it is. You can't you can't change it. And hiding behind that fear will limit you because no one can help you if they don't know. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you're a very confident dyslexic. You know, I mean, I, I met you like almost three years ago and, you know, we just gelled, didn't we? We yep. gelled and, you know, we uh, did a video together and, um, I, you know, it's great. I mean, some dyslexic people are very confident. I'm a confident person, you're confident. How about somebody who's quite an introvert person and have dyslexia and think, oh, I'm not as outspoken or I'm not as confident to tell someone about my dyslexia. What advice would you give them? Unfortunately, it's going to be quite down the middle, right? So I didn't always used to be this confident girl, right? I used to be very introverted, very, very introverted. I was always fearful that someone was going to judge me and be against me. And you know what? It, I was basically screwing myself over. Like I was limiting myself because of my self-doubt. And what mm -hmm. I found, someone said the quote to me, your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay. And in that moment where I was like, actually, do you know what? Let's see what happens. And I stood up and I was like, I have dyslexia. And I said it, I said it to my manager. I wrote it on my CV. It's on the, my signature on all of my emails. It's on my LinkedIn profile. It's everywhere. And all of a sudden what ended up happening was I was surrounding myself. All these people seemed to come out and be like, yeah, me too. Or I've got a mom, an aunt, a brother, a sister, like the dog or whatever, right? Mm. Who has this? Mm. And all of a sudden you're coming together and you're uniting. And all of a sudden your confidence starts to grow. So I get it. I get being scared of being judged, right? I have been criticized all my life for my inability to do things. The, and I put my bunny ears up, right? For anyone who can't see me is the normal way of doing yeah. things. I've been judged for it. But you know what? I am who I am. And as soon as I just stepped into that mindset, everything just started aligning. So I'd say for those who are an introvert, take those mini steps at just stepping into who you are yeah, and yeah, have yeah. faith that when you put it out there in the world, that people, the right person is going to hear your voice and the yeah. right person is going to be there to help you. The worst thing you can do is say nothing and end up in a company or in a position with people who don't understand you, who don't want to support you, because ultimately you're going to fail. And it isn't because you should fail. You have the skill sets to be amazing, but it's because you're not surrounding yourself with the right people because no one knows. So you just have to have that little leap of faith and just slowly, slowly build that confidence and you'll see it just ripple through your entire life, I promise. Wonderful. And that's exactly what happened to me. To be honest, when I was diagnosed with dyslexia, I was like, no, nobody's going to ever find out about this. No. This is one of the top secrets for me and no one's going to find out. Not even my kids, my no one. And of course I hid it. But I tell you what, Gabby, it's the worst thing I could have ever done because it was like, you know, panic. And everywhere I went, it was like, well, you know, Elizabeth, you've been given that task to do. And it's like, right, OK, how do I begin? How do I start? The, 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 the fear, the anxiety, the, the low self-esteem, it just wasn't working for me. So I remember, you know, when I had to come out and say I've got dyslexia, I was like, you know what? I've got dyslexia. If I, if you don't want to recruit me, that's your loss. It's, it's really, really that simple. And, and here we are, you know, I'm now 
you know, running my own business. And I, I'm glad the whole world knows that I have dyslexia because we need to give the support to those dyslexics that need it. We need to be role models. Exactly. And we need to be the example that people see. Exactly. And so, I think as well with little kids as well, like you've got to, like I watch my two-year-old and I've already said to my husband that I think she might be dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Like one minute she can count to 10 and the next minute she's like one, seven, eight, nine, and there's somewhere else in between, right? She's all over the shop. And actually, I've just gone, you know what? That's okay. Mommy's dyslexic and it hasn't stopped me. And I think, again, like if you're an adult and you've got kids or you're an adult and your partner's got it or anyone else in your family, by leading by example that it's okay, like you said a minute ago, you don't live in this life where you're suddenly like, oh, someone's going to catch me out. Yeah. Right? Like that fear of don't ask me that question. Don't ask me to stand up in public and read. Like if people know, they're not going to put you in those situations that make you uncomfortable. And if they do, I'm sorry, you literally put two fingers up and walk out. Because anyone who puts you in a situation that makes you feel uncomfortable knowingly puts you in that situation, knowing you struggle, is a horrible person and you shouldn't be hanging around with them. Awesome. Full stop, (laughs) mic drop, run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Gabby, honestly, I just knew it. I knew today's podcast will be absolutely great. I knew that, honestly. Now, Gabby, just before we round up, can you give us like two tips, two top tips of anyone who's listening, who's possibly applying for a job right now because they've lost their job. I mean, we know how many people have lost their jobs during COVID-19. Now, what are the two tips you would give, two top tips that you would give to someone who's looking for a job right now and who's thinking, look, you know, because of COVID-19, we're all stuck at home. Who can I even rely on to write me a CV? And we're talking today about ditching the CV. What advice would you give to them? Okay, what I would do is the first thing I'd do is go and find a recruiter within your sector, right? Go and find a recruiter who is a specialist. And if you don't know someone, come and find me on LinkedIn. I've got a fabulous network and I can be like, I can connect you all up and kind of get you guys talking. But find someone who knows your industry, knows your sector really well, and that you are comfortable being 100% transparent with them and then allow them in to help guide your journey, right? They are your wingman, wingwoman, whatever we can neutralize that to, right? I don't want to offend anyone. But they're going to support you and they will know what you can and cannot do based on the sector you're in. Right. Right. Tip number one. Okay. Tip number two is with your CV, don't try and write lengthy sentences that sound like anyone else. Okay. Keep them short, sharp, and precise, and make sure that it speaks your jazz hands. Right. That it is that, oh my gosh, I need Elizabeth in my team because she was amazing at this and she helped with this project. Just keep asking yourself the question like, is this my jazz hands moment? And what wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been there? And only in those moments does your CV start coming to life with things that were amazing that you did. And then hopefully combined with that and your recruiter that's supporting you, you might actually be able to find an opportunity where you can articulate what you did through them without actually having to spend hours and hours on your CV and they'll just get you straight to an interview and you can bypass the whole thing. But try and avoid direct applications if you can mm-hmm. because direct mm-hmm. applications, they just want a CV and they do not want to know who you are. They just have too right. many screening controls. So find your best friend recruiter and hang on for dear life and go for the ride. 
fantastic fantastic absolutely fantastic now listeners you heard you want to go go on to look for work or any shape or form we've got gabby's details and um, which we will share with the podcast podcast will be shared on all our social media platforms it's also on all the podcast channels you can find gabby and um, preston who will be able to support you or if she doesn't know how to she definitely knows someone who can now that brings us to the end of our podcast i want to say thank you so much gabby for coming on the podcast this evening I also would like to say a very big thank you to Yola, who is the founder of Salt and Pepper Production, for bringing this together. Without Yola, without our listeners, without Gabby, there is no podcast. So that brings me to the end of our podcast. I want to say thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, all things dyslexia, is funded by Equip the Education Skills Funding Agency and the European Social Fund. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions. <laughs>